people always ask me, what, what book should I read? Because I want to make an independent film. And I was like, I have no idea. Because the truth <laughs> is, everyone's journey is different. Everyone's story is different. And just figure it out. You know you need a camera. You know you need some actors. You know you need a script. Like, what do you know? You know the basics. Just start doing it. We're listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm your co-host, Trevor Elgott, and coming up in episode 189, I continue my chat with actress and filmmaker Alexandra Boylan. And in part two, she shares why she calls her first feature film, Home Sweet Home, her pixie stick movie, why it's important to make your first films without having high expectations or investors hanging over your head, and why your film's poster is the most essential asset you could have. That and more is all coming up in episode 189, so stick around. This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. If you want to learn your lines, be off book for auditions, explore your character, and make stronger choices, there's an app for that, and it's called Rehearsal 2. You can download it right now at rehearsaltheapp.com download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com download. Hey guys, this is Trev, and welcome to episode 189 of the podcast. Uh, AJ could not be with us live today, but he did send in a, a little snippet, a recording of a sort of unique situation that he's experiencing in his career right now, and I'm, I'm really excited to play that for you guys and kind of get that conversation out into the ether, out into the open. I'm sure we'll definitely uh, be talking a lot about that in the membership group. So if you are a member, hop over to that group and... Um, uh, either look for the thread or go ahead and start one about uh, what's going on in, in AJ's world with this because um, it's something I think we're all going to be facing sooner or later in our careers and uh, uh, I'm excited to to just, you know, like I said, just address it and get it out there in the open. There's, there's this never-ending rabbit hole when it comes to a creative career. Uh, quick update on uh, what's going on in my world, if anybody's curious. I had the opportunity this past weekend, the past five days, to staff uh, the leadership slash emotional intelligence training stuff that AJ and I are always talking about on this podcast, but the stuff is just absolutely life changing. And, you know, I, I completed my, my, you know, quote unquote process with it, uh, about two and a half years ago and kind of stepped out, stepped away from it. I did some additional trainings, but I, I, I moved away from it for a while and wanted to take some time to really apply it in my life. And I got back in there and I volunteered when we say staffing, it means you basically volunteer as a, as a staff member to kind of be there for other people who are going through some of this training for the first time and learning these concepts and, and integrating it into their life and, and really taking a stand for people owning their greatness and, and breaking through to new levels of, um, you know, success and results and joy in their life. And all I can say is 
wow, uh, amazing. I think AJ, or yeah, I think it was AJ that said to me on some episode a while ago that, that, or maybe he was off the air, but he said like, essentially that this is the best, this kind of work is the best acting class you could possibly take. And it's not even about acting. Like there's no acting at all involved. In fact, if anything, it's, it's about non acting. It's about being authentic and showing up. And I, I honestly really did not get what this work was about until this past weekend, two and a half years after I completed my leadership program, um, class, uh, you know, whatever journey, two and a half years later, I, I finally get it. I really get it now. And it is, uh, it is the most powerful thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I want nothing more than for everybody to have the experiences that I've had and, and feel like they have the tools to overcome anything in their life, any objection, any circumstance, anything that they feel is standing in their way. Uh, I'll end this little commercial after this, but get yourself in to the basic if you feel that you've got something standing in your way because that is where it starts and if you want to cut 10 20 30 years off your journey and get to those results faster that is the place to do it i'm not getting paid to say this i don't get any money or anything if you sign up or if you don't all i know is that it is the most powerful work i think an individual could do and i I really got a brand new taste of that on a whole new level this this past weekend it's not a cult you can google it you'll see all sorts of shit about it um, you know, think what you want, but just know that, um, it, it, I'm coming from a pure place when I say it's awesome. Check it out. Be open to it anyway. Um, so yeah, that was, that was my world. I also made a short film. I was so inspired by Mark Duplass's talk at South by Southwest. There's like a YouTube video floating around the internet and a little article that kind of sums up some of his main points, but he, he basically had a talk to, to filmmakers and, and actors and things that said like, here's why you should be making your own stuff every single week. And actually one of our members and longtime listeners, Eric actually made a great little film, I think with his phone and he sent it to us and it was awesome. It was really, really well done. And I was so inspired by his example that I went out and made a little thing too. It's very off the off the beaten path as far as like a short film goes. It's a, you know, it's a minute and a half, but I, I wrote a custom soundtrack for it. It's just one shot and I'm going to share it with the, the membership group and I'll probably throw it up on Twitter and all that fun stuff too. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool to, to, to own that, uh, that aspect of my craft as well. So that's, uh, what's what's up in my world. Let's now throw it to AJ and, uh, hear what's new in his world. Hey everyone. I feel like when we do these uh, weird so, sort of solo or siloed episodes, I should uh, pretend like I'm a news reporter and be like, thanks, Trevor. Over to you, AJ. Over to you, Trevor. Um, anyway, I had a pretty uneventful week uh, with the exception of two things that I wanted to talk about. One was that I put myself on tape for a musical theater audition and two was a very interesting sort of introductory coaching session that I had. So the first thing, uh, this this thing that I put myself on tape for, the, I think the most interesting thing that I wanted to talk about was the fact that I didn't get the greatest feedback from my representation. And, uh, you know, we as longtime listeners or any listeners know from this podcast, like Trevor and I are open books, you know, we're, we, we hopefully, um, are being as vulnerable as possible when it comes to these kinds of things. And 
I, I just, I didn't get very, very good feedback. So how do you respond to that? Well, I'm doing it over again, uh, tomorrow actually. And, you know, <clears throat> it was a really interesting conversation that happened between me and my agent who called and said, yeah, I just want to talk to you about this thing. And I called back and they were like, yeah, it just wasn't what we were looking for. You know, they were being, uh, I guess, gentle, kind about it, but I found out, um, from my voice teacher who has a relationship with them that, you know, there was some panicked emails that went around and all this stuff. And it's just, I find it interesting what your representation will do to kind of protect you from, uh, not necessarily yourself, but the feedback that you can get not only from them, but from the industry. Uh, my manager has sometimes forwarded me emails from casting directors with only a portion of the email, uh, and, and everything else sort of removed. Um, you know, and, and feedback is important and that sort of leads me into, it's a, actually a good segue into the, the other, um, interesting point that I wanted to talk about, which I had this like introductory coaching session with a career coach this week. So it was totally free because it was like the introductory, uh, uh, uh session and, the, this woman knows me because she has seen me in some musical theater workshops, and uh, we have a relationship also through my, my voice teacher. But the, the, the feedback that I got from her was that if I really wanted to do the musical theater thing, I was basically going to need to send myself to musical theater boot camp um, that I that, – that, what she has seen of me has been kind of inconsistent, and therefore she said if I really wanted it, if I really wanted to do musical theater, I needed to be in lessons all the time, not not just warming up every day and taking lessons once a week, but warming up every day, taking lessons once a week in musical theater uh, workshop, like audition classes, and just basically dedicating all of my free time, money, and energy to this. And it made me think uh, long and hard, and I, and I don't re even really have an answer to this right now, but I've, I've spent the week kind of in this weird space where I'm like, man, what am I doing? What am I, what, what am I doing being in New York? What am I doing with my acting career? And I'm not questioning being an actor, it's not about like having this crisis of conscious or crisis of like, am I going to continue to do this? It just, uh, right now, I guess the crisis is, am I going to continue pursuing musical theater if, if that is the feedback that, that I'm getting? And not to say, once again, that I would completely throw in the towel with it, but rather, am I going to continue focusing on it as much as I have been? Or should I shift my focus, and this is something else that we talked about, to, for instance, pursuing more straight plays so that people in New York can see me in those and think of me more as, okay, let's get him into the television shows that shoot here. So just food for thought. I don't know if this is an issue that only comes up in major markets, but um, just some things that I'm grappling with. So... Uh, I'm sorry that I don't have like these big, you know, lessons from this week, but I, I also think that being in the question is, is, is important. 
Yes, being in the question is extremely important, I think. Um, you know, I'm fresh off these five days of this leadership slash emotional intelligence training, so I was soaking in the idea of the value of feedback and removing judgment from situations and things like that. And, um, you know, I just want to acknowledge, AJ, for coming from a place of of the event is neutral. And I'm curious to hear if this does, if this is something that comes up for people in, in other markets as well. Like AJ said, I don't know if this is a major market question or if it's something that people grapple with in other markets as well, especially when it comes to the focus idea. You know, AJ talked about, you know, like if we're going to do the musical theater thing, we got to kind of go all in. That was the feedback he got from the, the career coach. And so it's some, at a certain point, you have to kind of come come into contact with the idea that scattered focus is going to eat, uh, create scattered results. And so what is the thing you're going to focus on? What is the number one priority that you are going to drive toward? Uh, and that is something that everybody struggles with. Um, and I am certainly no exception, as I'm sure many of you guys know. A very sort of uh, philosophical episode here so far. <laughs> Anyway, I'm excited to hear uh, what people think about that, that kind of thing. So if you're listening and you want to kind of open up a dialogue about it, hop onto the Facebook group, share your thoughts. Uh, also, those of us in the membership, we'll make sure that we uh, are opening up the, uh, the floor to this question as well. And I'd love just, just to see what, where people are coming from with it. So that's that. And without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into part two of my chat with Alexander Boylan, who I have to say is probably the one person on the show so far in the entire history of the podcast that has gotten more sort of like social media feedback and buzz and excitement. More people seem to be having their noodles baked and their hearts just filled with Alexandra's kind of joy and zest and, and journey and story and, and just creative passion than, than perhaps any other guest. Uh, and of course, it's obvious why. So I'll just go ahead and jump into this. Here's part two of my chat with Alexandra, guys. I'll catch you uh, on the other side. about your transition from Albuquerque back to LA it was was this film this passion play this Megan Fox thing was that really what kind of brought you back to the city for, no, for good or no no actually um I only came back and shot that and I went back to New Mexico um in fact what brought me back to LA was my husband and I and a group of people made an independent film called Home Sweet Home it was five of us made that movie. We went out to the middle of nowhere in Alamogordo, New Mexico and shot a home invasion film about a girl who returns to her childhood abandoned house and there's squatters living in it and they don't want to leave. And the villain is a hot little blonde girl and we took a lot of like the genre and kind of flipped it on its head and we shoot the whole movie in the day. So the whole film takes place in the day, which is kind of Hitchcock, you know? Mm -hmm. And we shot it and we were like, we started to submit it to film festivals, and in that process, we decided to bring the movie back to LA. We were like, we have a feature. I, I we often, we, the often saying in Albuquerque is, you hit the Adobe ceiling. I definitely hit the Adobe ceiling. I'd done everything I could. I was there for three years. I stood in on 
Thor and Passion Play and Fright Night, and I had auditioned for tons of things, worked with a ton of incredible filmmakers, made a lot of connections, and I was like, okay, I got that, now I'm gonna go back to LA. And I was healthier, I was loving producing, loving writing, so I was like, I can go back to LA as long as I don't get myself trapped in that tunnel vision world, I'll be fine. Which is, yeah. you know, yeah. true. Because I've never been unhealthy since I got back. But I also do not solely pursue acting anymore. Yeah. Ever. So there's a, there's a psychological concept. I forget, I don't know the, the term for it. But it's essentially that you are, not you, Alexander, but like a person, you know. You are um, happy to the degree that you feel you have control over the events in your Absolutely. life. Absolutely. And the worst feeling in life is to feel out of control. And I think when I left LA in 2008, I was completely out of control. My mother did the drive with me from LA to Albuquerque. And when we got to Albuquerque, she was like, I don't like who you've become. And wow. I was like, I don't like who I've become either. Wow. It's, it's really bad. And I wow. didn't, and I was just so out of control. It's like grasping at everything and straws. And I, I, just wrote an article for Ms. in the Biz about trying, I started trying to conform to what I thought people wanted all the time. And that is the most exhausting way to live your life. What do you want? Let me change myself. What do you need? I, I was a mess. I was just hit rock, I hit rock bottom. You have to lose your life to gain your life sometimes. Wow. Yeah. I, your articles on Miss in the Biz are really, really awesome. Oh, thank I, anybody you. listening to this who hasn't checked out MissInTheBiz.com or read any of Alexander's articles, please go do that. Like, like stop this interview <laughs> and then go do that right now because I think it will enrich what is to come. I try to share everything and be extremely honest about my journey. And there's, um, honesty is such a powerful thing. It's okay mm -hmm. to say, I messed up. It's okay to say, I don't have it all together. I don't know what I'm doing. I still feel like that as a filmmaker. Sometimes I'm like, oh gosh, they're going to find out that I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Yeah. In fact, you know, I think that's, that's <laughs> actually essential, not, not just from a creative standpoint, but from a relationship building standpoint, you can't mm -hmm. relate to somebody who never screws up. You no. can't relate to somebody who's never vulnerable and never has problems that they express. Once you become vulnerable and say, I'm scared of this, mm -hmm. I'm in love with this. Mm -hmm. I really, 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 really want this. Right. I struggle with this. Yeah. People are like, ah, you're human. I feel that too. And then Absolutely. all of a sudden you've got this instant deep connection. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of people walking around thinking that they have to look hot all the time. They have to look professional. They have to look like they're working and busy. It's like maybe busy. you're That's you're struggling one. because nothing's going on and you're frustrated about that. Tell people that yeah. and start to build those rich relationships because that's what the, that's where you're going to get activity. It's relatable too. And yeah. it's, it's very freeing to give someone permission to feel that way. Like when I meet people, I'm very honest about a lot of things and I think it gives other people the freedom to say, gosh, I feel the same way. You feel that way? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm not alone, you know? And it's really nice to have that. I think a lot of times in Hollywood, you read magazines and they skip the hard journey of people. They just say, <laughs> it was an overnight success. I feel like that happened for my friend Evan who did Bellflower. He's been in LA for 10 years making shorts and stuff. He gets to Sundance with Bellflower and the articles are all like, overnight success. Where did Evan Glaudel come from? And he's like, I've been here for 10 years. Like, no one wants to hear that story. I think sometimes when they're writing it, which is too bad, because I think that that is so encouraging to other people, people listening to this right now, that it, it takes so t time and it takes falling down and getting back up and not being afraid to fail. That's something I'm actually not afraid to do. I don't care if I fail. I'd rather fail and try than never try in the first mm -hmm. place. I feel like so. the, sec the secret to moving forward is number is that. Yeah, no, yeah. Number, no, number one, <laughs> yeah. do not be afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. Like, in fact, go for failure because when you're failing, 
failing, you're figuring out another way that it's not going to happen for you. But mm-hmm. you've narrowed down the, the options. So now you've got, you know, 999 ways that you can try rather than a thousand. And you just eventually you get to that that really narrow kind of subset of, of options where it's like, OK, I know these work for me. That and also being OK with it not being perfect. Whatever your project yeah. you're doing yeah. is never going to be perfect. And I remember we were starting Home Sweet Home. My husband was really nervous. He's, you know, is going to direct it. And he's like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And I'm like, you know what? We're never going to be ready. Let's just jump and do it. And if like I was I really pushed for us to film that movie at the time period. I knew the Avengers were coming and our couple crew members were going to go off and do the Avengers. So I was like, we have to do it now. We have to do it right now. And he was like, we're not ready. And I'm like, we'll never be ready. And that's sort of like where him and I work really well together because I am like, crazy jump off the cliff and build my wings as I fall down and he's sort of like wait a minute we should like pull this back (laughs) and think about it because sometimes I'll just do it but I think that that's good for me it's always worked in some senses to just say I'm gonna do it not think about it and then we'll figure it out later and I write that a lot of my articles about home sweet home we had never done a feature film we had no idea what we were doing we were had no idea what it's like to sell a movie, which we'll talk about too, because it's really good advice I can give people on. But we figured it out as we went and we just kept barreling through it and we learned a lot. And you have to go through that. You can't read that in a book. There is people always ask me, what what book should I read? Because I want to make an independent film. And I was like, I have no idea because the truth (laughs) is everyone's journey is different. Everyone's story is different. And just figure it out. You know, you need a camera. You know, you need some actors. You know, you need a script. Like what do you know? You know, the basics just start doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think Home Sweet Home for me was just like, I just wanted to do it. I didn't have expectations of what was going to happen with it. Sure, everybody would love to be the next paranormal activity, but we didn't really think that. I really thought, oh, my mom will see this. My dad will watch this. My brothers, my friends. I didn't, and that's good to go into it without high expectations because expectations can be so detrimental, especially if you don't get what you thought you were going to get. And when we did, so we did Home Sweet Home. I want to stop you real real fast here. So you went from (laughs) stand-ins and a couple kind of working with the directors and really building your your sort of circle of of relationships out in Albuquerque. And then you were like, let's do a feature. Let's do a feature. And so what was that? What was the journey like from that point to actually starting to shoot Home Sweet Home? Because I know you guys had like a, a, a crowdfunding thing for we it. We did. That so, was back when that was still pretty new, I think, was when mm-hmm. Kickstarter was pretty new and we heard about it. And um, we were, my husband and I were really busy. We were standing in and he's a, he was an electrician in New Mexico, but he always wanted to be a director and he's insanely talented. So I was like, stop this electrician stuff and let's make a movie. And uh, Nonsense. Nonsense. Wiring light switches. I know. What are you doing? But we were on movie set. So we were learning and they, you know, the people. Um, so we got our really good friend, Rick Galley, who's... Uh, uh, also an electrician, he came on board as a as a cinematographer, and he said, "I'll do it." And now, did, you, did you write Home Sweet Home? Correct me oh, from that's wrong. what I'm sorry. That's what I was gonna say. So we were really busy working on a project. We came up with the idea. We John and I came up with the concept of it. And then we called my brother, Andrew, and he's a writer. And I was like, hey, do you want to write this script? We're going to make an independent film. And he was like, okay, I'll write it. So he wrote the script while we were still working on our last show before we knew we were going to go to the middle of nowhere and shoot this. And like, my brother wrote it. Um, His name's Andrew Boylan. He's a fabulous writer. And um, then... Uh, we got Rick Galley to come on board as cinematographer. We got a friend of ours named Andrew Majorano to come on as the sound. And then our friend C. McClellan 
was our gaffer, and he's amazing. He was first unit Avengers electrician. He's these guys are talented, like and that's the other thing yeah. is that you where if you don't have money, you better have talent. And I say talent will get you where money won't anyway. Like our movie looks phenomenal because the people, the four people in that room knew what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then so I, say, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I I just I always want to get really granular sure, about please. the process yes. because I'm one of those people that <laughs> that is like I'm going to make a feature, and I get so overwhelmed just yes. thinking about all that yes. goes into it. So you. Had the script that your brother wrote. We had the script. Well, had... We kind of had this script. Was okay. In a work in progress all the way through the whole movie. <laughs> oh, okay. So it was kind of being written as you. It were... was written, but being changed. I mean, sure. yeah. we put my poor brother on such a time crunch because we were like, it all takes place in one location, and my my husband's parents have a beautiful house on eighty acres of land in Alamogordo, New Mexico. <laughs> so we were like, perfect. We'll shoot. It at their house, and they said yes. They said we could come out there and shoot. They had no idea what they were getting themselves into because we all lived on their property and made a movie. And so we did do the crowdfunding. I think we raised twenty four hundred dollars on Kickstarter, which for us was a lot of money. We were like, "Woo, we could do a lot with twenty four hundred dollars." And um, I think it was just convincing our friends to come too and be a part of it for nothing because we didn't have any money. And um, kind of like me moving to LA and not knowing about silverware we kind of forgot oh we have to feed people when they get there oh yeah that's right well we'll figure that out and who wants ramen yeah exactly who wants we, we had a lot of fam- lovely family meals and then um, my friend Raquel came on board to play the villain and she she uh, flew herself I think she flew herself out and then my friend Lorena Sogora came on to play. So I kind of called in favors of actors I knew that I thought were phenomenal. I was going to say, that, that's a great level of trust for them to be like, yeah, totally. Don't worry about paying me. I'll fly yeah. myself out. Like, yeah. that's that's pretty awesome that you, you were able to kind of create that. Yeah. With people. And, um, and the really cool story about how we got Chris Dempsey. Christopher Dempsey plays the villain guy. This is a couple. Um, Is he in relation to Patrick Dempsey? No. Okay. Um, I'm sure he gets that a lot, but I had worked with him on a 48 hour film festival, a film festival movie in Albuquerque. And I really wanted him to play the the guy in our movie. I was like, I know he'll be amazing. And he kept turning me down every time. He's like, I'm so sorry. I really can't go to the middle of nowhere and do your little tiny indie movie. And I was like, I was like, but you know, I promise all John and I will promise is we'll finish this movie. I can't promise what's going to happen, but if you know my work ethic, I don't start something and not finish it. Even if we like, which we did put ourselves like, did uh, take forever and a lot of sweat and tears to make that movie finished. But um, he kept saying, nope, nope. And I kept looking for other actors and nobody was kind of working out. And I was like, we were coming down to like the week before we're all going to the house. And I was like, I think I, I wrote, I wrote Chris Dempsey, like a really long email being like, I love you. I think you're talented. I promise that I will finish the film and I would be honored to work with you. And I just kind of like, I stroked his ego because I thought he was amazing. And the next day he calls me and he's like, I just lost, I just was up for a role for a Hollywood movie and I lost it because my eye color was wrong. I'm coming. Your email touched me so much. I'm coming to the middle of nowhere and let's shoot this movie. And I was like, yes. Oh, awesome. And that's how we got Chris Dempsey to, to drive out from Albuquerque to Alamogordo. And a couple times, actually, because I had booked the Passion Play acting job. And I had to shoot that the first two weeks that everybody was out shooting Home Sweet Home. So I was in L.A. working on Passion Play while they're all doing um, the first couple of weeks of home sweet home. So I'm in LA trying to organize people being there and doing everything. And it actually worked out really good because there was some stuff written in the script where my friend and I find each other 
But since I couldn't be on location while she was there, we had to switch it so that we never find each other on the property. And it actually is so much better in the story. Don't you love those little happy uh, accidents? So awesome. Because it would have been really stupid if we had found each other and then decided to split up. I but instead, it. we never find each other. And later, we were like, we had a lot of those kind of like... This was also great about independent filmmaking. We're, we weren't, you know, married to the script and we were very organic in the process and we were very open to like, oh, this will be better. Let's do this. And, you know, we're driving out there and we found a dead coyote on the side of the road and it was lying in the same exact position how we had already shot one of the death sequence of the people. And we were like, what? And we shot it and it's such a great shot in the movie and like giving you that foreshadowing what's about to happen and you just found it on the side of the road (laughs) (laughs) thank you universe thank you like we had a lot of i mean we're open i think we're open to that and therefore you know i always tell people don't be so married to something don't have such a grasp on it that you miss all these incredible creativity that could come in because you need to be open to allowing anything and we're also a team so we allow everyone to have an input. It's not just our movie. It's everyone's movie. So we're very open to like letting other people come up with ideas. And That's really great. You know what I, I'm taking away from this is it like, I think a lot of us, me included, like I'm kind of like your friends where I'm like, what book do I need to read? You know, I want to yeah. learn the rules. I want to learn the steps. I want to learn the paint by numbers sort of sequence from a to successful conclusion. There is no such thing. And there is no such thing. And like when I'm hearing you talk about this, it's like you weren't afraid to get messy. You weren't afraid to mess up. You weren't afraid to just call shots on the fly. You you weren't afraid to rewrite scenes or just like, and I think that that's the mark of a lot of successful creative people is that like they're, they're not afraid to just like, kind of throw caution to the wind and be like let's just jump in and trust that it's going that our instincts are going to lead us in the right direction and And if it doesn't work out oh well whatever (laughs) we we lost a couple weeks of our time a couple thousand dollars it was like because i mean there were there were days where we didn't think we were going to finish this film you know and there's only a couple of us and throughout the process it ended up just being for a week me the cinematographer and the director because everybody else left. Everybody had to go to work. They had to go do stuff, you know? So John and Rick and I are like, you know, we're we're rigging the boom above my head. I'm slating. Rick's holding, like, the camera and that. And John's outside doing all the gags. And we're like, this is so funny if anyone... And I mean, I think also what I love about it is um, these people came out and worked on this project with absolutely no idea of what was going to happen with the film and that still makes me so excited that we all just loved what we were doing it wasn't about the final outcome we didn't think we'd sell it we didn't think anything would happen we were just having so much fun running around a house making a movie that at the end of the day it was like this life experience is better than anything else that can happen anyway to me it was like every day I got to do that was living the dream Mm -hmm. so the what happened to Home Sweet Home is just a huge icing on the cake of already yeah. wonderful I was, life experience. I was, yeah, I was going to say work begets work. I mean, yeah. you were able to, like, once you start working on something, it's like the universe shifts yeah. to back you up. I know I'm talking oh, yeah. a lot about the universe that's today. That's fine. But, but like, Let's I think, it's, I I think it. a lot of times that's the way it works. And so you were telling me before we started recording that, is this something we can talk about? I, yeah. I couldn't remember. There were some things that you were well, like, well, <laughs> I don't know if we can mention that yet because of the powers that be not right, wanting. Yeah. But, but good things are happening. Oh, yeah. This home is your Sweet Home led to another feature film that we got to make. And um, so the, the nitty gritty of Home Sweet Home really is just we had a camera, we had a sound, you know, equipment and five people. And we all made the movie and we literally lived in the house and then... Um, 
yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to even try to get nitty gritty because that's as nitty gritty as you can get with five people, one camera, one piece of sound equipment, and you're just kind of. But we had insanely talented. I mean, I our you know our team is just so talented that it came out, and we didn't even know if it was going to be good. We had we couldn't watch. We watched dailies at the night and the evening, but I think we stopped doing that because we were like, we just got to finish this movie. Right. What was the? If you don't mind me asking, what was the final budget? Cost? Yeah, how much did you end up spending on that? <laughs> If, it, if, it's, yeah, if, if you're it's comfortable $10,000. Dude, that's nothing. I know, it's nothing. That is nothing for a feature film a feature that looks film fantastic. It looks amazing. It looks amazing. Um, and then, um, so when we came back to LA, John and I moved back to LA. After I had done Passion Play, Bellflower was coming out. I, had, I was like, I'm done with Albuquerque. I'm ready to go back to LA, bring a feature, and be open to what's going to happen there. So we moved to LA, and um, we started post-production. And John pretty much single-handedly did the entire post-production on Home Sweet Home. Like, I got a waitressing job. I supported him. And he sat at home all day editing that movie and doing the sound design. And because when we got back and we started looking at it, we were like, we had some industry people who were like, this, is, this looks really good, actually. Like, this could be something. And we're like, maybe it could. So we ended up finishing it. And we submitted the movie to like 15 film festivals. And we got rejected by everybody. <laughs> Um, the only festival we got into is Albuquerque Film Festival. And that's because they were like, they were, we have to. That's our she friends. Shot here. Like, yeah, yeah, like we got in the White Sands Film Festival. I've learned that film festivals really, um, 80% of movies don't sell at a film festival. So your chances at film festivals are very slim and you got to get people in the seats and it's actually a lot of work. And I joined Women in Film when I moved out here and the quick story of that is that I, we kind of gave up on Home Sweet Home. Like we, we, we shelved it because it didn't get in any festivals. We kind of were like, well, I guess we did what we did. We made a movie moving on. I didn't know what to do. So we started making a live action choose your own adventure app game. Right. <laughs> and yeah. In the process of all this, we were like, we were like, where's technology going? We're going to, let's make a live action choose your own adventure app game. And we started writing that with my friend Raquel and Andy, who also worked on Home Sweet Home, who lived in LA. And we started shooting that. And I, I remember my brother, Alex Boylan, my brother is a super successful producer. He won the second Amazing Race and he's very successful. And he was like, what's going on with Home Sweet Home? And I was like, you know what? I don't know. We did it. We learned, but nothing's going to happen with it. And we started making the app game. And we thought the app game was going to be like the thing that would like change our life. Actually, we had a lot of expectations about the app game. But um, I went to a women in film event and I met, uh, Bridget Jurgens and Jen Sparks from a, from a poster company called Dog and Pony Creative. And they had just started their company. They heard about my movie. They were like, hey, send us your movie. You know, maybe we'll make you a poster and, and that'll help you. Posters are, you can do a press release and you can try to like, and they really guided me in marketing because I didn't know what do you do once you have the movie? What do you do next? And I think that that's like, there's so many things that I've learned. One thing is like, it's the Best thing about Home Sweet Home was we had our own money. Everybody says, I want funding. I want investors. No, you do not want mm -hmm. investors. If you don't know what yeah. you're doing and you're learning, the pressure of trying to do that with investors is like, I, I can't even imagine the pressure on my shoulders. I just made a movie with other people's money for the first time. And thank 
God, we knew what we were doing because yeah. of Home Sweet Home. When you have other people's money, it's almost like you feel like you have to sort of, like they, like they get a say in the creative process all of a sudden. Well, and and it's kind of like, you that, have to. Like, you better know what you're doing. Yeah. You better know yeah. how to do, we didn't know how to do Home Sweet Home from the beginning. And we were learning, we were messing up. We were, I mean, like we call it the pixie stick movie because we put that movie together on pixie sticks in an editing program and one thing falls and that whole movie collapses because it was just so put together like with scotch tape like with you know one guy in an editing room and we had a sound designer putting together all we had to like we had to go out to the desert and redo all that sound i had to throw crowbars and walk i mean we really built all you recorded that your sound. own foley that's great we had to record all of our own sound we had a lot of sound issues in the desert a lot of wind so john and i went to palm springs and we went out to the middle of nowhere and we re-recorded all that sound that you hear in Home Sweet Home and laid it back into the movie. And and John's learning how to do all this as he's making the movie. So for me, I think, and once we gave up on it in a way, like let it go, like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen with Home Sweet Home. Now we'll go do something else. There wasn't that pressure that you better sell this movie. You better, because we didn't know how to do that. So I always say to people, don't get funding until you know what you're doing. Don't say, oh, if I could get money, then I'll make something. That is not necessarily true. And it's really, really, first, learn on your own dime, fail on your own dime. And then when you know what you're doing, then allow outside people to come in and invest in you because it's a big responsibility is other people's money. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and Home Sweet Home was our money. We were just like, whatever, if we lose our $10,000, life will go on. But if it's somebody else's, then you lose your reputation that you can't do something, you know? And artists say all the time, I swear I can do it. And I'm like, how do you know you can do that? Have you done that before? And they'll be like, well, no, I know I can. I'm like, no, you don't know you can. You do not know until you've done it and you need to do it first. And know that you know how to take a movie from conception to completion. And we got Dog and Pony made an incredible poster for us for Home Sweet Home. That won an award, became an award-winning poster We started looking at sales reps. They connected us to Instrum International. They watched the movie. They called back me and John and they were like, we think this movie is good. Like, we think we can do something with it. We'll sign you. And they took on our movie and they took it to American Film Market. And before American Film Market was over, we sold it to Image Entertainment. And is this the same cut that was rejected by 15 film festivals? Same movie that was rejected. Same exact cut. Mm -hmm. I mean, we changed some things once we... Instrum gave us some notes. Okay. They were like, get to the house faster. Cut, cut, cut in the first 10 minutes. You know, get her to the house. Like, if you see the film, get to the thrilling part. You know, so we did a little bit of that. But really, what what we had was all we had. Wow. And um, And then one of the reasons we sold Home Sweet Home was because... uh, Image Entertainment was going through Instrum International's book and all they look at is a poster. That's all they see first. So they're looking through the book and they stopped on Home Sweet Home's poster and they were like, this is their poster. We have been spending thousands of dollars in marketing trying to figure out how to make a movie called Home Sweet Home with the right poster. And we haven't been able to figure it out. And these people just nailed it. Send us that movie. We want to see it. That marketing, that, that poster will sell. So they saw the movie. Obviously liked it. Maybe, I don't know if they watched the movie, <laughs> maybe. But they 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 took it, and by June we were on the shelves of Walmart, and it was like oh amazing. Like we sold it, we sold it for more money than we made it for. And it was like so. The poster is really a, a key part of that. Yeah, the poster is everything, and I always tell people that that if you're going to put your money anywhere, put it into the poster. It's the first thing the distribution company sees, and it's the only thing the audience see. And if you don't have a name to sell your movie, it's 
old people are going to kiosks. You know, they're going up to a kiosk for Redbox. They're going on Netflix. They're looking at a picture. And you got to grab them. And then they're going to read your tagline. Then maybe they'll watch your trailer. Then maybe they'll watch your movie. That's so true. It I sit here. starts with a poster. Yeah, I sit here. I go through Netflix. And I literally, I can't, my eyesight sort of sucks. So I can't totally see everything. Sure, yeah. And I usually am too lazy to put my glasses on. So I'll see it as sort of a fuzzy image of a poster. Yeah. And, you know, you've got... Thousands, thousands of posters to go through and thousands. normally i'll be like i'll be like what do i feel like today i feel like a sci-fi movie and i'll just flip through and i've probably missed so many good movies because they had shitty they posters had terrible posters and i'm just like i don't want to watch that based yeah. on the poster yeah looks stupid and then you might see a movie that's horrible but had an amazing poster yeah, exactly then... that happens a lot i saw i watched this one sci-fi movie that i thought was really cool and it had some well-known actors in it and i was like this sounds great the poster looks awesome mm-hmm. so it's got to be good it was such a disappointment such a, i won't i won't yeah. name the movie no but, uh, no but, but i was just like Man, get a good you, poster. That was not fair. Yeah. I got I got had yeah, by the poster. <laughs> you totally did. And Dog and Pony Creative are an incredible poster company, and I am so blessed that I met them when they were. So I I met a lot of people in the beginning of their like their company's um, birth, and that was good for us. We met a lot of people that we're now growing with. Like they're doing That's really cool. good. Instrument International had just started their company. They were just they were actually wanting to do independent films that. Um, but they saw our movie and they were like, this is, this is a good thriller. This will sell and horror and thrillers sell. So, um, now they're, I thank God they took, they took a chance on a very independent movie because <laughs> they're happy and they're now our partners. And that's what I say to people all the time. I was like, this industry is so small and how we treat each other is so important because you never know how someone's going to affect your life five years later. And after we did Home Sweet Home, we've sold it to U.S., we've sold it to, we come out in U.K. this month, we've, we're out in South Korea, and we sold it to Germany. So four countries bought Home Sweet Home. Amazing. Amazing. All right, guys, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed part two of uh, my chat with Alexandra. I know you did, because I did, and I'm sure the internet is going to be blowing up. Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram even maybe, blowing up with um, just thanks for Alexandra sharing her story. Part three coming next week, guys, just puts a, a cap on the whole thing, and it's, it's awesome. So make sure you guys uh, tune in for that and don't miss it. Uh, picks of the week, I'll just go first because I'm already talking. I feel a little silly. Um, choosing this as my pick of the week, but I'm going ahead and just drop it anyway. The fitness program Body Beast. It's a silly name, but uh, the program is the truth. Uh, most of you guys listening know that I, I love taking care of my body, being in shape. I'm addicted to the life force that flows through the body when you're using it intentionally every day. Running, jumping, lifting heavy shit. I love getting my sweat on and eating right and all that stuff. So uh, that's me, and Body Beast is my latest obsession. I hinted at starting this program a while ago, and it's a, you know, it's a DVD. It's like the P90X3 thing that I was doing. Um, it's a DVD program from the same company, from Beachbody, and uh, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's, it's bodybuilding right here in your living room. You need some gear for it. But you know what I learned is that it's actually the second best-selling program that Beachbody has ever released and more women buy it than men. That really kind of blew my mind. If you look at the link on our website and you follow that link to like some of the videos and the information about the, the, the workout program, 
it it's definitely not geared towards women that's for sure and yet more women have purchased that program than men and it is the second best-selling program uh on their uh, in their product lineup and I, I just love it man i'm i'm loving loving it loving it loving it so if you're looking for a kick-ass home workout program that is not p90x3 or insanity or something like that daily burn whatever check out body beast it's uh, got the big fat trevor stamp of approval and uh let's hear aj's pick of the week my pick of the week this week, all right, I got sucked into the uh, genius and insane mind of Tina Fey, and I have been binge-watching uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix. It is so whacked out that I find myself laughing one moment and then just totally uncomfortable and wanting to crawl out of my skin the next, uh, which I think is indicative of... The fact that it is created by and and EP'd by and partially written by Tina Fey, um, I guess it's just her sense of humor. Um, it's I guess it, you know it kind of takes Thirty Rock to a whole new level. It is really really uncomfortable to watch, but very funny. So check it out. Okay, as if I already didn't have enough stuff to watch and catch up on. Uh, now I got that. Thanks for the recommendation, AJ. Uh, I also wanted to make sure that AJ had a moment here to make one more announcement. So uh, back to you, dude. Just a little reminder that the Digital Actor Workshop that I teach will be happening somewhere in Los Angeles sometime next week. I've been having a heck of a time finding a space. I know some of you out there have reached out on social media to help me out with that, and I really appreciate it. Um, it's going to happen. I've declared it. I'm going to make it happen. So tell your friends, um, and then keep an eye out on our social media, our, our Twitter account, our Facebook group, and I'll post the details there. But suffice it to say, you're bet most likely going to want to block out if you're if you're planning on coming blocking out a chunk of time on wednesday night the 29th april 29th and we'll have another episode go live uh the day before that the 28th so hopefully i'll have well i will have all of the details by that day and trevor and i should be recording that one in person which will be a lot of fun so anyway stay tuned to our social media and the podcast and uh, the details will be forthcoming all right so episode 189 of inside acting was produced and co-hosted by me trevor algott and uh the dude that we all know and love aj meyer jen levin is our production coordinator gadali guberek is our marketing and web director jasmine bristow is our director of public relations and deborah smith is our beautiful community manager. Uh, some dude named Trevor Algott composed not all of, but most of our music and had a blast doing it. You can sign up for our free weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes at our website, insideacting.net. And you can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. A huge thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal2 and VO2Gogo.com, which is the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. You can visit VO2Gogo.com start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO, the number two, Gogo.com start. And of course, thanks to you, our listeners. If you love Inside Acting and you want to help keep the show going, it's very easy. Sign up as a monthly pay... Excuse me. 
Sign up as a monthly member and get cool perks, like access to our exclusive membership mastermind group. Freebies, like access to AJ's digital, digital actor workshop and discounts and merchandise, like IAP t-shirts, and other upcoming podcast offerings. Lots of cool stuff in the pipeline that we really think you guys are going to dig. It's super easy to do. Head to InsideActing.net and just click on the membership tab. And that's it for episode 189 of Inside Acting. Thank you guys for listening. I'm Trevor Algott. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, be in the question. Be in the question.